0: Coming up on this week's episode of the Premier League Roundup Show. That's got to be one of the worst periods in the Premier League ever, from Kamara. You'll see, when we
1: go to Lane, sorry, I mean Wembley, Wembley, uh, my bad, still isn't built. Arsenal had the same thing, that's why we had like Shamak and like, Frimpong in a team. That was a team though, that was brilliant. Really <laughs> Squillaci and Bentner. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Premier League Roundup Show. For the first time in a while, we are very sorry about the lack of episodes, uh, but we'll get on to why in, in a short while. But for now, uh, we'll go back and uh, analyse a few of the games we missed, not all of them, and obviously the most recent week of Premier League football. I'm Felix Allen, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host,
0: Leo Holland. I think it was those mid-weeks that threw us off a little bit, and then once you're out the routine, it's just its a bit of a stumble, but we've had a lot of switch-ups in the table, in the times, That We've been gone most significantly towards the top end where City although with a game at hand Have taken top spot off Liverpool with the stalling in their recent awesome run of form with a draw at Leicester and to West Ham and also in the top in the race for top four with Chelsea's 6-0 loss to Man City, which we'll come on to very shortly has seen both United and Arsenal climb up ahead of Chelsea into fourth and fifth respectively, although only one point separating those three teams mean it is still very much all to play for for the Champions League next year.
1: Similarly, I mean, everywhere really we've actually got competition. I mean, it is the three things you look for is top four, you know, title and relegation zone, and all of those threes are very, very wide open. But, I mean, everyone's obviously interested in, in the title race for, for obvious reasons. And Man City just look unstoppable right now. We saw them go midweek to Everton with an extra fixture that they didn't really want to play. Um, Got the result. I mean, it was just incredible from a uh, from a City perspective. What they're managing to do right now is just show the in class between them and anyone else. They started very poorly. I mean, poorly for their standards. And Liverpool started very, very well for their standards. And that is why Liverpool had this gap. But no one can doubt when City turn it on and decide to play the way they really can. They are, I mean, unquestionably the best side in the country.
0: We've said it before, when City have got a challenge and they've got a gap to close down and they've got an objective to, to reach, they are unstoppable and Guardiola is proving time and time again that he is quite possibly the best manager in world football and certainly the best manager in the league, in my opinion. There is the debate about, yes, he's inherited wonderful teams And he's always got good players and could he go to, say, Bournemouth or Palace and make them play so much better. But with his current crop of players and with what he's doing with them, it is exceptional to go to a fellow big six club and beat them 6-0 and it could have been 7 or 8-0. It's genuinely incredible what they can do to the bigger sides.
1: Yeah, um, the top four as well is an incredibly interesting race with Man United discovering this form from literally out of nowhere. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer has completely revolutionised the club. I thought a very interesting uh, point was Pogba's post-match interview after Fulham uh, when he would uh, when he was asked what had changed in the club and he just said there was a, a new kind of joyness and happiness around the club uh, with just more
0: confidence and and ease around it. It seems like Mourinho is very cold with his players. You could see that in his interviews, couldn't you? He was trying to maybe make a joke or two with with the reporters, but he just wasn't a very nice guy. And you can tell from Solskjaer that all the players, they've all got even Anthony Martial, who never smiles. He's got a smile on his face. Everyone's happy. He's playing the players where they want to be played. He's playing Rashford through the middle. He's playing Pogba forwards. And the difference is that we're now in top four. And having the recent result to PSG as it was, not looking like we're going to go much further in the Champions League, being in the top four for next season is so crucial for United wanting to play Champions League football.
1: I mean, even if they don't get it, they'll still... Except that the run they've had has been incredible, and and from the position Oli picked up in, with him not getting top four, you can't blame him. I mean, if they had this form throughout the throughout the season, they'd be near the top of the table. But bear in mind, they haven't played the most difficult sides. I mean, I know everyone's saying that, and they did lose to a world class PSG side. If I mean, if they played City next game, they probably wouldn't win. But they, they're coming. It's coming up that game, isn't it?
0: I mean, if you're if you're looking at the sort of the Premier League table since Solskjaer joined United, United would be top and it's just a shame that Solskjaer had to inherit the club where it was after that awful performance in Liverpool and basically just turn us around. But he's managed to do it and from a pretty rotten position he's managed to get us into the top four.
1: Yeah so credit where credit's due uh, and that unfortunately is an Arsenal fan has made my life just a bit more complicated with a uh, Chelsea already in the mix. It was basically looking like it was going to be us or them for the top five, for the for the fourth spot. United coming through, has made it a three-horse race now. And uh, all of those clubs have the potential. Look, Chelsea went and got embarrassed, but everyone's been embarrassed by City. At one point or another. Um, And so they easily have the quality, I think, to turn it around. They've had some shocking results. Uh, Aguero scored more goals in 2019 than Chelsea have. Uh, but, you know, with the addition of Higuain... Could he settle in? They had that obviously great result at the weekend against Huddersfield. Yes, it was Huddersfield. Um,
0: Everyone beats Huddersfield, but that's not really the point. But it is,
1: it is just confidence, isn't it? We've seen what confidence could do to a side. And uh, it just depends. Chelsea are currently rock bottom of, of that kind of confidence level. And what can't be in a worse state, you know, they've they've lost 4-0 away to Bournemouth. They've lost 6-0 away to City. They—they they, All the sides around them are playing well. And they're in a really difficult spot. But it's now up to sorry to pick it up, but I think they have full, full capability of doing that. They're still level on points with Arsenal, only going behind uh, because of the goal difference. And so it's still very much all to play for. One point in it, as you said, 12 games left, and it'll be very interesting to see where it goes from here.
0: You've got to argue that having got City out the way, Arsenal having already played City twice this year, you do have to think that United, still with Liverpool and City to play, do have the hardest run the hardest end of the season to look forward to. But Chelsea, off the back of City, their next game is in the FA Cup against United, which will be probably Sarri's most important match in yes. his Chelsea career. And because this is, as Felix said, this is bottom. It Unless they lose to United and go on a massive losing streak, it literally cannot get any worse. And... Major questions have to be asked of Sari and his coaching technique and his decisions on where he plays certain players because playing N'Golo Kante in an advanced role has to stop and at least now with the signing of Higuain they've moved Eden Hazard back out wide because watching him toil away as a lone centre forward was painful at times. But now he's back in that free role, at least they have something, but he needs to have ser- he needs to have a really long think about what he's going to do with the future of this club. Yeah, I know, I
1: mean, there's big talk about Sari being sacked, uh, you know, odds were slashed of him going. I don't really think
0: sacking him now achieves anything, I mean, yeah,
1: okay, you look at United and go, well, that, I mean, it turned out amazingly for us, but...
0: That was after two and a half years, three yeah, years of exactly, Mourinho, so. he's been there for just over half the season.
1: I think Sarri will have confidence that he won't be sacked unless it goes extremely worse than it is now. So as long as they have that confidence, which not many Chelsea managers get, I think if they give him, you know, they'll say, whatever happens here, you've, you've got this until at least the end of the season. And so don't worry about that. If there is that shadow looming over him that he's always his last match, then the results aren't going to come for Chelsea. Uh, but they're an interesting side. You know, they have a very good team in terms of personnel. It is still
0: one of the best squads in the league Positions of players aside Just on pure quality of player If they're all played in their best positions It's one of the best in the league There's no doubt about it But watching the players he's put together Try and play the way he wants them to play Is like watching United under Mourinho It's just It's so blatantly obvious That the system isn't right And everyone can see it But Sarri's just stuck in his ways uh, yeah I
1: mean we spoke about Kante last week last episode should we say about how he's deployed Jorginho there and it's all gone a bit bit pear-shaped I mean it was shown perfectly Jorginho was about a 2 out of 10 against City he, he is just horrendous he's been horrendous the whole season and I um, mean, he still hasn't registered an assist and he's going to the most passes or something crazy like that. So, Sari will have to rethink. I don't think he's going to change everything. He's not going to do what Conte did and change his whole formation and everything. Uh, it's just about sticking what he knows to and hoping Higuain turns out well and can link to the Hazard. And It's going to be lucky, I don't know, I think. But, but the they thing are level about... points to Arsenal, so it's just, you know, whoever's better from here on in. The
0: thing is about Jorginho is everyone's saying, ''Oh, he's played the most passes, He's he's adapted so well to English football.'' But in all the big games, he got embarrassed by Spurs. He got embarrassed by City. In all of the big games, he's been registering twos, threes, fours out of tens. And it's not okay. It's not okay if you can sit there and go, yeah, he played 400 passes against Huddersfield. If he's not actually doing things of note. Because it's very easy to receive a ball from a centre-back, turn and play it wide or play it back. That's not the difficult part. The difficult part is making an impact in the areas that count. And he hasn't been able to do that this season, partly because he's being deployed further back by Sarri. Completely agree with that. Um,
1: Now, going through some of the
0: other fixtures,
1: key fixtures that we missed, uh, towards the bottom of the table, because it's got very, very interesting down there. The one thing it's looking fairly certain is Huddersfield will be going down. uh, 14 points of safety, which is more than they've got all season. they have only won 11 currently. Seeing Huddersfield stay up is very unlikely, unfortunately. I mean, I, I quite like Huddersfield, but they're just not the quality that, that is needed. But we have had them all sort of play each other. Cardiff last week getting result against uh, Southampton uh, away with an amazing 90th minute winner uh, with Sol Bamba. I love that, that tweet about... Um, breaking the fans' Yeah, breaking glasses. the glasses. That was brilliant. Uh, but that is a massive result. Cardiff now out of the relegation zone for the first time in a long time. Moving on, off obviously, after that uh, incredibly sad uh, loss of Emiliano Salah uh, after he had become the, their record signing. Cardiff, the way that has, I mean, I don't, you, know, you don't want to say it's a positive, but sort of making light of a bad situation, any light that could possibly come out of it, it has brought them all together in a, in a tremendous way. Uh, the team spirit that they have. I mean, when you when you're going, when you're trying to stay up in a league, you
0: there's you don't just need like quality. You need just pure belief and, and a real team. You need desire as well, and you can see that all the players play with such emotion. You can see from the Sol Bamba celebrations, the captain of the side, the club means so much to him, and you can see from the way he celebrated just how much it meant to him and when the when they scored in the 93rd 94th minute whatever it was the fans went absolutely mental and it was so it was it was really good to see so much emotion being shown by everybody and i think if you're a cardiff fan right now you will believe that your club can stay up because yeah, the def- players what you're are, seeing. the players are obviously showing how much they want to stay up So it's now literally, they've got the desire, it just comes down to performances from here on out. Another thing, I mean,
1: if you compare them to Fulham, you know, we had that amazing uh, situation where Kamara, you know, refused orders and uh, took the penalty himself.
0: And then you hear... Yeah, yeah, and then he got loaned off and the whole yoga
1: thing and getting arrested, whatever. But it just shows that there isn't complete teams, Well, Well, I mean, he's off on loan now, but... There isn't complete team spirit throughout that Fulham side, and they're currently
0: 19th in the league. That's got to be one of the worst periods in the Premier League ever from Kamara. He scored, what, two goals? He got arrested. He, his manager threatened to kill him and then got loaned out in January. That's got to be up there with some of the worst ever. Yeah, I
1: mean, Kamara was just... I mean, it was just never going to work. He, he looked like an OK-ish player, scored that penalty away at Old Trafford and then thought he was everything, but it doesn't surprise me that he's off, and it, Fulham's team spirit is just not there. However, you know, that, that win they got, the 4-2, Mitrovic coming from behind at home, uh, that, that that's given a bit of life, they've got 17 points now, they're, uh, they're only 8 off, off safety, which is quite a lot, but could still happen, it is it was still all to play for, and then you've got the Southamptons, Potentially Burnley Palace, maybe not getting drawn into that as much, but you still got Newcastle, Cardiff,
0: Brighton potentially. It, it, it's very, very interesting for that last relegation spot. But it's so close down there because, a Fulham and Huddersfield aside, the six teams above them are separated by three points. Yeah. So literally one win changes everything down the bottom of the table. You've got Southampton, Cardiff, Newcastle, Burnley, Brighton and Palace. And there is three points between all of those teams. It is so congested down there. And And coming into the tail end of the season, that will be so interesting to watch play out. And if Fulham beat West Ham this weekend, which they could do in a sort of
1: London derby-ish, that brings them off only, only five points from safety. And then they could still be in the run. I still think Fulham aren't down now. They could have a bit of a revival. I think we all kind of think Huddersfield are. But amongst that, anything can happen. It's it's still, I mean, in in seasons gone by, they've been a bit underwhelming in the last, you know, the very recent ones. With Chelsea winning it very comfortably, Man City winning it extremely comfortably. Obviously, we had that Leicester kind of blip. But there hasn't been a really, really close title race for ages now. Not only title race, but relegation and top
0: four, if they're all still going by May, we're, we're in for a we're hell of a finish. The sad thing about Fulham is they, periodically throughout the season, they've had these games where you think it'll kickstart them on to great things. 2-0 down at home to Brighton. And then turning it around, they were playing awfully. And then in that second half, turning it around, getting four goals, fans going incredibly wild in the stadium. And you look at it and go, could that be the trigger for better results and performances to come? And then it just, it never happens. And if I was a Fulham fan right now, I'd be so disappointed.
1: Yeah, Fulham's inconsistency will uh, be shown. To, to maybe cost them at the end of the season, I think is most likely. Uh, but, I mean, the main talking point, probably, uh, of the league since we've been back is this just Liverpool blip. I mean, they started so well. Everyone thought this really could be Liverpool's year, finally. And, I mean, it was always going to happen, you know. If you start really well, then you lose one game. A bit like what Solskjaer just happened with United, with PSG. You lose one game and everyone kind of loses, loses faith. Yeah, and just, you know, goes on about how how bad everything's going. Liverpool have lost one game all season. Two of those five draws have come in the last five games. But that doesn't mean that there's this massive crisis going on in Liverpool. Uh, they lost to the best team away by one goal. And apart from that, everything is, is basically fine. Yes, they drew to Leicester with a kind of dodgy Harry Maguire goal. And then, uh, obviously, to West Ham as well away. To be fair, quite lucky with that offside goal. Um, and then it's a really good set-piece uh, goal from West Ham. They haven't been that poor uh, and then we just saw their, their free-flowing attacking football return again with that win on the weekend to Bournemouth. So if you're a Liverpool fan, you're really not too worried. I mean, yes, it's not seven points as it was. It's now nothing. But you have a game in hand. I mean, the old saying goes, you rather have points in the bag than games in hand, which is true, especially in such a tight title to race. For these teams, you would back to beat I mean, they've already played each other twice. You back them to win all of their games from now to the end of the season. There's there is no game where they are not favourites. The my opinion. scariest
0: thing about this Liverpool blip is that we're calling it a blip. They've drawn two games. That's the scariest thing. They've lo- they've drawn two games. And it's been called this massive hiccup and this massive stalling of form. And yeah, sure, they scraped past Brighton and there was that crazy 4-3 game against Palace. But their blip has been not winning twice. Not even losing, it's been yeah. not winning. And that's the scariest thing, I think, right now about this Liverpool team.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, City have lost four games this year. So if you think in comparison, they've lost three more games than Liverpool. So City, the only thing that City have going for them is that the form they are in, they just look unstoppable. They've just got that bit between their teeth. Like, right, we were asleep the first half of the season. we woken up. I mean, we were second in the league yeah. asleep. But, I mean, from a City perspective, that is asleep. Being it's honest, not good enough. Being behind Liverpool, losing four games in, in 2018... Uh, sorry, well, one in 2019, is just not good enough for them. And so, the 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 bit between the teeth now is just, you know, we are going to go win this league... And there's nothing you can do about it whether they win or they it, basically city could still win all their games the rest of the season and not win the league yeah and if that happens they'll be like right we were just too slow in the first half of the season and so on it's just poor but I think there's a very good chance to go and
0: do that I really think Liverpool
1: uh, city will win the remaining
0: games I mean if you want to if them. you want to put a if you want to put a marker down beating a fellow top six club six nil is that marker isn't it with Aguero getting hat tricks against uh, against Chelsea and against Arsenal, now level on Premier League hat tricks with Alan Shearer for the most ever. If City do go on to win all their games and so do Liverpool, and Liverpool win the league in that fairly unlikely hypothetical scenario, that
1: we then all pray
0: God doesn't happen. <laughs> because I mean, I'm not sure. Why? But it's just the image. I think the majority of football fans have it of Liverpool holding the Premier League. It's Jordan Henderson. It's just Jordan Henderson. Jordan Henderson and Dejan Lovren with Premier League winners medals around their necks. I just can't seem to imagine. But a massive game coming up in the top four is Chelsea against Spurs. I didn't actually realise, but Spurs were nine points clear of United in fourth, and only five off City and Liverpool, and that's actually a remarkably small gap, considering I didn't actually think they were in the best of form at the moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, Tottenham have just... I mean, okay, they didn't have that one loss, but they've basically just been winning. A lot, really. I mean, especially, they've done the one job they had to do, which was, they lost to they lost Harry Kane, they lost Dele Alli, and they've still been winning. I mean, they had that freak of a result away at Craven Cottage when Llorente scored a known goal, and then Harry Winks of all people popped up on the, in the
0: box to, to score a winner at the end. They've been doing that a lot lately, haven't they, though? They've been grinding out results. It hasn't late been pretty well, football, this. but they've been scoring late like winners three and of their last, getting the points. Three of their
1: last five wins have been decided after 85 minutes. And so, as a Spurs fan, you're just... I mean, you're just letting it happen, basically. Just, keep, just keep it going, and uh, see where see where it takes you, really. Especially when when Kane and Son and uh, Dele Alli come back, they are a much much better side. Yeah, and so if Tottenham can survive until then, keep winning, they got the, the game against Burnley and then uh, then Chelsea. Uh, they can make a really good, solid push uh, towards the end of the season when Kane comes back, and. To be honest, they could really... Okay, they're not going to win the league, but they could be up there. I mean, yeah, there's only five points. Five points between them uh, and City and Liverpool. And if they win uh, their next game, they're two points behind City. And so, okay, I mean, it pains me to say that Tottenham could even be in with a shout of winning the league. Uh, but, I mean, credit where credit's due, they have been really, really good lately. And hence, that's that's why they are by the other. Ten points off, off fifth place. Uh, so... Top four is pretty much assured already, and we're only 26 games gone.
0: I mean, they've lost six games this season, which is five more than Liverpool and two more than City and one more than United. But the remarkable thing is that 26 games into the season, they haven't yet drawn. It's a crazy stat. I mean, it doesn't really show that they've been playing well, to be honest. I mean,
1: you can not draw by losing and you can not draw by winning. They've just been winning all those. But, so like not drawing in itself isn't isn't doesn't mean, to, it doesn't really attribute anything to, to form, but it is a kind of freak result though, isn't it? All it means is that goals are guaranteed in, in Spurs games. Even if it's
0: only one goal, that's the decided flag. in the United Spurs game. Yeah. As I hate to bring yeah. up, but Ole, one of Ole's best performances to date. But it's just been the late, late show and the close show for Spurs. I mean, beating Watford 2-1... Fulham 2-1, Newcastle 1-0 and they've all been very close games and they've all been decided late and you may say it's lucky or you may say that Spurs have been very resilient and have kept going until the end but I think they'll be exceptionally glad that they have been able to just keep on grinding out these results and it is a sign of a very resilient team. That they have just been able to keep on winning and keep on getting results even when they haven't been playing well. And they will obviously be happy that South Korea got knocked out early by Qatar in the Asia Cup. And that that meant that Son only really missed two games for Spurs. But they have just been playing really well and... Much to Felix's disappointment, do actually deserve that third place on merit.
1: Apart from us, obviously, they had that uh, shocking, shocking result against us away. Um, we were playing out of our skin there, to be honest. But I'm, I'm just the kind of whole sort of roundup or consensus from this podcast is that it's getting quite exciting. Um, you know, a few weeks ago, it was basically Liverpool are quite likely to win the league, they're seven points clear. United are complete crap, and it's just between Arsenal for 4th and 5th Huddersfield are down, Fulham can't really win and Cardiff are down And all of a sudden, none of those things are really true anymore I
0: mean, we've got a title race on our hands We've got Liverpool and City equal on points We've got United, Chelsea and Arsenal separated by a point We've got 13th to 18th separated by 3 points I mean, unless results go really badly... We could be in for many, many exciting league battles in terms of top four, the actual league title and relegation. It, it all looks set to go down to the wire in something that we haven't seen in recent years.
1: And touching on Tottenham Hotspur today, today Leo, is a day I've been waiting for. for well, the a, day we're recording. Yeah, well, for, for, for a fairly very, very long time. Because tonight, Tottenham play their first leg against Borussia Dortmund at Wembley. Now, t- for our loyal fans, they will remember that uh, a few months ago on one of the first podcasts when the Champions League round of 16 draw had just been made, I said that Tottenham would get absolutely battered by Borussia Dortmund. And I didn't just say they'd lose, I said they'd get absolutely battered. And
0: I am still, to this day,
1: completely certain of that eventuality.
0: I mean, back then, when you made that prediction, would they still had a fully fit and firing Kane? They were. still had Dele Alli, and I reckon we need to. We need they, a they definition. Get for, they get battered without them. To be yeah. fair. We need a definition for what we're calling
1: battered. I'm, say, I'm saying battered. Tottenham will lose over two legs by more than by four or more goals. Over two legs, when I can go. easily, easily, they will lose. I think, by two tonight, and then probably three in the away leg. Tottenham are very bad at football, no one knows it.
0: Well, I think, judging by the fact that they're third in the league, quite a few people know it, but...
1: You'll see, when we go to White Hart Lane... Sorry, I mean Wembley. Wembley, uh, my bad. Still isn't built. We will see uh, a mad Arsenal. A mad Arsenal performance. And Tottenham, I'm praying, will not be
0: anywhere close. I I still think Tottenham will finish fourth, actually. I reckon we should put... Five are on Dortmund. Five on Dortmund, easy. You saying Tottenham are going to go through. I'm saying I'm not saying that Dortmund. W- I'm not saying that Spurs will go through. No, okay, I'm, not- I'm not. I'm not basically. Saying- like
1: I'm not like losing my
0: three. I don't want to be giving away money for that. Okay, whatever. If, if Spurs you- go through, I'll give you five quid easily. We- for those who, seeing as this is a podcast and we're not yet cameras and all of that, we're not that big. For those of you who can't see, we have just shook on it, which means that it's all official in writing. Everything. We'll have everything on it.
1: Contract sign.
0: We do say it every week, but Felix really is turning this into the anti-Spurs podcast.
1: I just don't think Tottenham are very good. I mean, I don't want that to be the central focus of this podcast, but I just like they are the most criminally overrated side. They haven't, you know, it was last week marked four thousand days since Tottenham last won a major
0: trophy. That's really the only sort of stats that Arsenal fans spend their time looking for. Well, but just, the sad thing is, no one Tottenham. talks
1: about it because. We're all under this like stupid gaze that Tottenham are actually good at football, and no one like actually bothers to mention that they're really not, and they haven't won anything. And no, no, no player that is in the current Tottenham team has won a trophy, and Maurizio Pochettino has never won a trophy, and no one talks about it. And I'm just uh, spreading the word, letting everyone, just reminding everyone that Tottenham
0: are bad at football. We're not biased in any way, shape, or form on this podcast, not ever, It's just- Leo. Leo's just the uh, the moderator
1: because. Trust me, if I had my own podcast, it would, it, would, it would be something
0: else. But the thing is about Spurs is that I know they closed some of the tiers at Wembley. But the other day, they broke the record for the most empty seats in a Premier League game. It was over 60,000. That's bigger than most stadiums. And those were all empty seats of people not showing up to watch Spurs-Watford. I don't know how the
1: economics works for Spurs. I mean, I'm not someone that kind of looks there their financial returns every year, but moving to Wembley, I mean, it must be quite expensive and you've got to be filling those out. They couldn't fill out the lower tier at Wembley. They couldn't, they sold like 35k for for a like a regular Premier League home game. Where you, they're apparently meant to be like selling out this, what, 50, no, it's, it's more, it's like 60,000 seat every single, every, every single it's week. It's more than that, nice. like, it's about 80,000. <clears> no, I'm talking
0: about the new stadium. Uh. It's bigger than our uh, bigger than the Emirates by so about 300 seats. But at least they're not losing a lot of money because they haven't signed a player since last January transfer window. They haven't signed anyone this January, and they haven't signed anyone in the summer. So with all the players injured, you would have at least thought that they'd sign a cover player or somebody. But they genuinely haven't signed anyone for more than a year now. Well, I mean, it's what
1: happens with your um, when you move to. If Arsenal had the same thing, that's why we had like Shamak and like Frimpong
0: in the team. That was a team, though. That was a brilliant side. <laughs> Squilacci and Bentner. When you go through um, that, you know you can support Arsenal through anything. And
1: we got top four every single season yeah. until 2015. And so uh, Tottenham knew that they were going to have to have financial pressure when they move stadiums. I mean, it's, I can't like deny, deny it's a state-of-the-art stadium.
0: It looks insane. From the, from the few clips that have been released, it is a genuinely beautiful stadium. It just has to get built. I mean, it looks like a toilet seat from the top, but
1: inside... It looks quite class, uh, but it hasn't been built, and they they haven't benefited anything from it yet. They, they can't brought, even they brought the fans in.
0: They brought the fans in for an acclimatization day or whatever they called it to get some of the some of the fans to look around the stadium, and that was like a month and a half ago, and still nothing's happened. So it's in a fit state. To show people around a month and a half ago, or even in 2018, why aren't they playing in it? Have you seen
1: it? It's got cranes on it. I know, but... That's just to get some media attention making it look as if it's far enough ahead, but it's really not. Anyway. Um, But they'll they'll have to do that. They will have to also get top four, because I didn't realise the amount of money... Like the difference in between uh, Champions League and Europa League football. is like You get about 35 40 million more per season if you're in the Champions League because of TV revenue. And so for Spurs, they'll have to maintain that. Otherwise, they really won't be able to sign, be able to sign anyone. We couldn't sign anyone with Champions League football for a very long time. I mean, obviously people, we had like Andrew Santos and that. But we didn't sign anyone proper until really Mesut Ozil in, uh, in 2013 for £42.5 Then Sanchez and Aubameyang and Lacazette came after that. But Tottenham will have to go through a period where they can't get any money in. And so that either follows one of two ways. either goes, we will not really sign anyone and rely on our academy with players like Winks and Walker Peters and and other players coming through. Or we'll have to sell some one of our best players like Harry Kane or min or Eriksen. I personally think
0: Eriksen's the most likely to leave. Uh, I don't think Deli Alli will leave. Deli Alley looks really comfortable with Spurs. There have been rumours of Ericsson going to the likes of Real Madrid. And when they come talking with the wallet size that they have and Spurs is obvious need for money, I, don't, I think it would be very hard for someone in Spurs' position to say no.
1: Yeah, but you know, they might just Spurs it up, really.
0: When you look at Arsenal's results going down these past weeks that we've missed, it hasn't actually been all that impressive for oh, us whoa, of, whoa, of whoa. late. I'm just talking
1: about Tottenham here. I'm not talking about anything specific in terms of... Just broadening you know, our we Premier League
0: horizons. thing is, we,
1: when, when, it, when it really matters, we beat Spurs. I mean, that's basically how it works. When it really mattered in the in the uh, in the FA Cup, we beat Spurs. When it really mattered in the ho- at, in the league at home, we beat Spurs. When okay, we didn't beat it, but when we, we, you know, we when we could have won the league at White Lane, we did. We we drew, but so what? We still won the league. Felix, it really mattered, I'm, I'm sorry, but
0: that was. That was 15 years ago.
1: Well, Tottenham still talk about how they won a trophy like way back when and that was like 2008. It was yes, but that's because
0: they genuinely haven't achieved anything else since then. You've at least won an FA Cup or something. Three, thank you very much. Okay. But when you, uh, when you look at Arsenal's recent results, still haven't kept a clean sheet for so long thanks to Kolasinac's 93rd minute own goal and... Away from home, why haven't they... Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Arsenal haven't had an away clean sheet this whole year. And I mean, it's such a joke that a 93rd minute own goal would be the one to keep that spell going for Spurs. Huddersfield as well. But 2-1 against Huddersfield, I mean, obviously it says a lot more about the game. It wasn't a. It was a very close game. We were
1: poor, no, we were, no to be fair, we were poor. It was a poor performance we by very us. Poor they poor. had more possession
0: than us. I didn't know that. How that's... does it have fifty-two percent possession? <laughs> and they've got eleven points all season. I mean, it was it was a poor
1: result. I mean, there are actually a couple fans creeping in talking about you and I, Emery. And I think you can't judge Emery on his squad at all because he's had one transfer window and January. he wasn't literally wasn't allowed to sign anyone. And the squad he inherited was is crap. Ramsey just been announced. He's off to Juventus.
0: Highest paid British footballer, by the way. More than Gareth Bale. More than Harry Kane. More than Raheem Sterling.
1: I mean, it's just it's terrible business from the club. In the last 18 months, right, we would have lost... Well, we're, in July, it would have been 18 months since we lost since we lost Alexis Sanchez. And then it'll be Ramsey will leave in the summer as well, so... For the loss, in 18 months, of Alexis Sanchez and Anne Ramsey, two of the best players we've had at the club for a while, we would have got Henrik Mkhitaryan. I mean, like, what? How? How on earth can, for those two players, we bring zero money, like, literally zero money, and Henrik Mkhitaryan?
0: From a financial point of view, it makes no sense. You're not playing your highest earner, in Meza Ozil, you're not, you're selling people for nothing, you're not really signing that kind of calibre of player, so where are Arsenal going, I don't really understand. Sanchez just became,
1: well, I mean, to be fair, what we should have done was, towards the since, end he was dead weight.
0: Yeah, no, we should have signed someone
1: in, we should have signed someone in the summer, in that 1718 uh, summer. Brought uh, brought someone in and sold Sanchez for about fifty million. The offer was from Man City, uh, or United, or wherever he would have gone. We also then should have tied Ramsey down to a a contract, like we did with Ozil. And so I was thinking, with Ozil, I mean, this is great. He either stays forever and becomes an Arsenal legend, and you know he's world class, and so I'm I'm a massive Ozil fan, and uh, I hate fans to say he shouldn't be playing. It's ridiculous. Um, or he's on a like four year deal. We we get him for a lot of money, and he he'll he'll go to PSG or whatever at the. Uh, the rumours were by Munich, PSG. I mean, he could play for those sides. And so, none of those things have happened. Ramsey's not been tied down to a long-term contract. and He's leaving for free. Alexis Sanchez was not sold when he should have been. And we brought in Henry McTiernan, who literally is worth... Well, both club. both players are literally, like, worse than no one for their respective clubs.
0: We're losing money from them.
1: Yeah. Um, and then, Meza Ozil is not playing week in, week out. Is not been sold for a lot of money. And he's literally just sitting on the bench, getting three hundred fifty grand a week. But when it you is look at a the,
0: financial joke. When you look at the sort of clubs that were lining up signed Aaron Ramsey, he was linked with three clubs: Bayern Munich, Paris Saint-Germain, and Juventus. Three of the best clubs in world football were after a player that couldn't get in to the Arsenal starting eleven. And that I cannot get my head around. Genuinely cannot. It doesn't make any I think sense. To I them. think it's
1: the way you deploy Aaron Ramsey because. Aaron Ramsey basically thinks he's a 10, and Mesut Ozil's a better 10. So if you want to play Aaron Ramsey, you have to play him in a different role. But you don't
0: play Ozil or Ramsey.
1: Yeah, so that's the thing. Emery wants to play this stupid system where, where we have Huddersfield at home, and we play three CDMs in Guendouzi, Torreira, and... uh um, And Jaka. And so that's, that's very confusing. So we basically don't really have any... Uh, we don't have a 10. A 10 is not an Emery system. He didn't do it at PSG. He had... Like, Verratti and Rabiot and all that kind of, the the the, Draxen, the sort of midfield three, they didn't really, like, one wasn't much higher than the other. we saw Draxa last night for a PSG against United playing in a slightly more advanced role and it worked because Marquinhos was singing behind it. Um, but Emery didn't really do it. He kind of had that front three and sort of left it. And so, Ozil doesn't fit into his plans and neither does Ramsey. And the few chances he had has it in the Europa League or whatever, he's played okay, but he's basically not going to fit. And so, Emery doesn't, uh, Emery doesn't want him there. But... If you don't want him, you have to gain something from it. You can't just let him leave. It just it boggles my mind. Uh, it really does. And for the final part of this week's podcast, as always, we end with our Premier League predictions for the coming week of fixtures. Two Friday night games, which I don't think has ever happened before, with Cardiff Watford and West Ham Fulham. Uh, Saturday, we got four. We got Burnley, Spurs, Bournemouth, Wolves, Newcastle, Huddersfield, and Leicester Palace. And then on Sunday, a bit of a super Sunday. Not nothing spectacular, but. Arsenal, Southampton, and the biggest game of the week, Man United, Liverpool, both kicking off at the same time. It's wrong. It's a bit frustrating that. There should always it. be a
0: four o'clock kickoff.
1: Especially as an Arsenal fan, I mean, I will be going to that anyway. But uh, you know, it's a bit nicer to um, you know actually watch it on TV if it was away. So we're yeah. lucky. but they you know that's weird. That should be on TV. Um, so first
0: game, Cardiff, Watford. Uh, Leah, well, how would you see this one go? Sure, you know Cardiff have been on a bit of a run at the moment, haven't they? Watford, pretty in and out. I reckon I'm going to go for. I'm going to back Cardiff here. I'm going to go for two-one Cardiff win.
1: Yeah, they've both been playing well. they both won their last game. Uh, Watford beating Everton at home, and Marcus Silva's return was quite was quite a big statement. All the for them. snakes in
0: the stadium were yeah, quite
1: funny, especially with Richarlison not firing anymore as well. Uh, so I'm going to go with a. Uh, Two 0 Watford win. I think the uh, the Cardiff run of form. They're just going to be reminded of uh, where, where they sit in that in the Premier League overall uh, standards. Moving on, West Ham Fulham a London derby. I mean, there are six teams in the in London in the Premier League this year, so uh, there always seems to be a London derby. At some Almost time. every
0: week, isn't it?
1: Um, this week is West Ham Fulham. Uh, how do you see it going?
0: It's Fulham at the end of the day and. Although they do have a tendency to occasionally pull out a big result, I can't really see it happening. I'm going to go for a 3-1 West Ham win. I think it's going to be fairly easy for them.
1: Yeah, Fulham have really, really struggled this year. There's no, there's no hiding that. Um, I do think, however, they'll be so up for this because, I mean, from now until the end of the season, it really is. Every
0: game's a big game. Every
1: game is a cup final for me. I mean, everyone says it, but those last kind of 10-12 games, is huge. So uh, I'm going to go with a one all I think uh, they'll get a result.
0: Points on the board, as we said earlier, are massive with it being so congested down at the bottom of the table. But then moving on to the Saturday lunchtime kickoff. Spurs making the trip up to Turf Moor and Burnley have improved of late. But Spurs' ability to keep on grinding out results in their challenge, could you call it, for the top four? Maybe for the title? You never know. Only five five points gap between them. I do think that Spurs are going to win it just because they've been winning everything lately. And so I'm going to go for a 3-0 Spurs win away.
1: Yeah, it is hard to back uh, Spurs. I mean, so not, not to back Spurs, but Burnley at home can always be quite good. Um, bit of a challenge. It
0: was, it was a fortress last year. Not not so it much really this, was, year, not this year, um, can be difficult. That's their shot against United. I mean, Burnley, especially away
1: at Brighton when he 3-1 in their last game, was a terrific result for them. I and mean, they really look up for it.
0: Um, with the return of Tom Heaton, yeah. that's coincided with, with their upturn in form, because he's been incredible in goal for them.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go
0: with a uh, do you know, another 1-0, actually. I think this is going to be a 1-0. Then next up, could be quite an interesting game. This one shapes out to be, maybe not the biggest, but by the teams playing, it could be really good. We've got Bournemouth Wolves, not too far off each other in the table. Only a few points separating them, and Bournemouth recently winning that massive game against Chelsea, 4-0, but since losing to Cardiff. I do think the Wolves will be too strong in their brilliant first season back in the league. I'm going to go for a 2-1 away win for Wolves.
1: Yeah, uh, for the first time in this podcast, uh, for these uh, predictions, we are going to agree. Bournemouth are a great side, actually. With Bournemouth being at home, they do have a, uh, a good chance, I reckon. Um, Wolves getting that not a great result home in Newcastle with a 94th minute equaliser from uh, that man Bolly again
0: he's always doing it for them Leonard. yeah
1: um, it'll be a really interesting game like this but I
0: think Wolves will win it and I'm going to go with a 2-0 Wolves win Newcastle Huddersfield up next and I think this will be an easy one to call for both of us nobody can really back Huddersfield home or away and travelling to St James's Park can be quite intimidating I'm going to go Nice and simple, 2-0 Newcastle, Huddersfield haven't been a threat at any point throughout the season.
1: Yeah, I think I just don't see it getting any worse, any better for Huddersfield and Jan Siwat. Newcastle are really on a complete mission right now, Uh, they look really unstoppable, and
0: I'm going to go with a 3-0 Newcastle win. Leicester Crystal Palace up next, Leicester at home of course, still not really... Firing as much as they'd like to be under Claude Puel. He's still under quite a lot of pressure from the fans for his performances of late. And I do think that Palace will put up a good test for them. Wilfred Zaha finding some goals, having not scored since late September and now finding a couple in successive games. And I do think that Palace will test them, but I think Leicester will still come out as winners I'll say 2-1 to Leicester I think at the end of the day they'll be too good I
1: actually think Palace are going to get a result here I mean I agree with what you've been saying but Palace are just playing a bit better recently uh, Leicester are alright but this season they haven't just really clicked um, I don't think it'll be a, a Palace win but I'm going to go with a 2-1 draw quite interesting one Arsenal Southampton is uh, the first game we'll talk about on that Sunday Uh this really should be open and shut. Uh, Southampton, yeah, right They've been playing all right recently after making a terrible start, um, but this still shouldn't be even even a close game. Um, we say a lot in the Premier League that there are, there is no easy game, but I mean at home, unless it's, it's Huddersfield. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at home in the bottom five, you you, sh- you have to be winning these games comfortably. However, I don't have massive faith in Arsenal. I think we'll win. But I don't think it'll be beautiful. I think we'll win 2-1.
0: Arsenal, obviously, having lost the return leg of this fixture, going away to St Mary's and losing. But I don't think... Southampton, having done it once, I don't think they will be able to do it again. And although Arsenal haven't been performing as well as they like to of late, I do still think that they'll win it. But not comfortably. I'll give it a 1-0. And then finally... A massive game on the Sunday in terms of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's career and Liverpool's title challenge. If Liverpool lose this, then they're level on games and points with City, which really spices everything up. And having been Jose Mourinho's last game in charge of United, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will definitely have a point to prove to his predecessor, and to the people who still doubt his quality as a manager, which I think he is a really good manager. And call me optimistic after the PSG game, but having seen what West Ham and Leicester did to Liverpool, both taking points off them, I'm going to go for a 2-1 United win.
1: Oh, that is bold. Um, do you know what, this is a huge game. As an Arsenal fan, I saw a couple of fans on Twitter saying, you know, do we want United to win and dampen Liverpool's chances or do we want Liverpool to win and help us in the top 4 race absolutely we want Liverpool to win I think that is it is a complete joke for any Arsenal fan to say they'd rather Liverpool's hard hopes be dampened than our chances of getting top 4 helped so I will be definitely supporting Liverpool in this game Um, it's nice to be able to do that without feeling bad about myself uh, because I often do when Liverpool are playing Um, and I think Liverpool will be too strong they are a very, very well drilled team, and I think they'll get a good result. I think Liverpool will win this game
0: 2-0. It would be nice to watch this game as a neutral. Hopefully just all round it's a good game of football, but at the end of the day, I just I'm begging for a United result. I think that would be such a scalp for Solskjaer to take. But that will go ahead and wrap it up for this week. Hopefully we get some of those
1: predictions right. We haven't uh, been in great form recently after making a pretty good start. Um but we'll all will be
0: revealed next week but thank you very much for listening everybody if you are listening on iTunes please leave a review and a rating it really helps the podcast grow and hope you've enjoyed next episode and we'll see you next week, thank you very much